0: Hello, I'm Claire Wingfield and I'm an editor and literary consultant based in Scotland. This is one of a series of podcast interviews with publishing industry professionals and authors. So today I'm going to be talking to young adult author Keith Gray. His first book, Creepers, was published when he was 24 years old and was shortlisted for the Guardian Fiction Award. He has since written 21 books, including Warehouse, also shortlisted for the Guardian Fiction Award, and winner of the Angus Book Award, Malarkey, shortlisted for the Book Trust Teenage Award and winner of the South Lanarkshire Book Award, and for younger readers, the runner, winner of the Smarty Silver Medal. In a two-part interview, we'll firstly be talking about the editing and writing process, and secondly, writing for young readers and visiting schools as a writer. Hi Keith, it's great to have you here today.
1: Hello, thank you for inviting me along.
0: So, one of the things I really admire about your well-known novel, Ostrich Boys, is the plotting. Events and details escalate in importance as the plot moves forwards. For example, I'm thinking of a very funny scene in which your protagonist reluctantly completes a bungee jump and has his photo taken doing it. This serves an immediate need for money for a train ticket, but is also revealed to be of great significance later in the novel. I can't think of a detail in your novel which doesn't have a great significance to your plot. So, my question is, do you achieve that instinctively, or is there a lot of hard work going on behind the scenes?
1: Um, That's a very tough question. Um, I think it's a bit of both, really, to be honest. I'm not a planner. I don't plan my books. I have what I think is a great, cracking, fantastic, exciting idea, and just sit down and go for it. Because I, I think I'd get bored planning if I knew everything that was going to happen in the story before I was actually writing that section. I'd get a bit bit fed up. Uh, no, I, I, I like to write the same way that I read. I like to um, surprise myself as I go. But that means that I do do a, a heck of a lot of rewriting. So I'll have an idea on page 100 and I'll have to go back to page 1 to rewrite those 100 pages to work that idea in that I had at page 100, if you see what I mean. Um, ideas seem to come to me while I'm writing, rather than while I'm actually sitting, thinking. So something like the, the bungee jump scene, I, I wanted a bungee jump scene in the book. It kind of fitted in thematically. I'd done a bungee jump scene myself, so I was desperate to get that experience into a book as well. And just as I was continuing to write, I realised how I could use the photo later on. So it's kind of, a lot of it is, is the subconscious work and in that instinctual thing of, of how a story should work. But there's a lot of rewriting to fool people into thinking you're cleverer than you are and that you did actually plan it perfectly step by step.
0: And so are key decisions such as who the protagonist is and the point of view you're writing from always clear to you from the beginning?
1: Uh, yeah, I... I... I know whose story it is, and I know why it's their story. Actually, that's one thing um, I often talk to new writers about. I often say to them, why is this person the protagonist? Why is it them that's telling the story? And I think that's something really important to pin down at the beginning. I know who the story's about. I know why I want to tell the story, and I often have a title. And then I will sort of begin the actual writing process. And I very rarely draft. I don't like to move on from page one until page one is exactly the way I want it. And I won't move on from chapter one until chapter one is exactly the way I want it. As I say, I then get to chapter eight and come up with a brilliant idea, so I have to go back to chapter one and rewrite everything. But when I write, when I put the final full stop at the end of the final line on the final page, that's the book finished. It's sort of one complete draft that's been drafted a million times to get to that one complete draft.
0: Wow, and then you send it to your editor. Yeah. And do you find you're having less edits coming back to you as you've got more books?
1: No, not at all. It's, it's, uh, I find the writing's actually getting more and more difficult. Uh, I'm getting pickier and I'm trying to build the craft. When I wrote my first book, Creepers, I, I didn't have a clue. I just wrote a book that I thought would be fun to read. And then and you don't know if anybody's going to read it, you don't know if anybody's going to publish it, you don't know if anybody's going to like it. And then the trouble is when people start saying nice things about your book, you look back at it and you say, okay, what worked? How am I going to make that work in the second book? And you begin to learn more about the craft. So you begin to try and be cleverer and you, you start challenging yourself and you start pushing yourself. And so every book in my, my eyes, it seems to get more and more difficult because I'm never quite satisfied. And no book turns out the way you thought it would in the first place.
0: So is it not necessarily a faster process now?
1: No, it's it's. I, I've never been a quick writer. I'm quite a slow writer, maybe because of my process of continually rewriting as I go. So the, the books seem to be taking longer because I'm getting fussier and more concerned, perhaps, and less relaxed about how it will turn out. When I was only trying to write for me, it was easy to please me. Now that it's that unfortunate, that's that... That horrible ego thing, kind of, oh, but I have people who like my books, I've got to please them as well, and not just me.
0: And what's the longest gap you've left between finishing a book and starting a new one? Have you experienced periods of not writing?
1: Um, I've never experienced periods of not writing. I'm continually writing something, but I'm not always working on a solid book or a solid idea. Um... I'm quite happy to sit in a coffee shop or sit on a train or sit in a cinema before the movie starts and scribble something down, scribble a couple of paragraphs about um, about the person sitting in front of me in the cinema and what the back of the head looks like or just uh, like almost like a diary entry. Um, I don't keep a diary as such, but you know write what happened to me that day. So there's never been a day when I haven't written in a sense, or it's very rare maybe on holiday or something like that, maybe. But I I believe you have to write every day. You've got to get something down on the page every day. And I write a lot, pencil and pad, so I don't need to lug around a computer or a tablet or whatever.
0: So it's quite important to get into a writing habit, and it's a good way of making sure life doesn't get in the way, I suppose.
1: I just think if you stop writing, you might not pick it back up again. And it's a very difficult thing to do, write, uh, and write a structured uh, book that has... Uh, characters that people care about, that makes people laugh or cry, whatever. It's a very, very difficult thing to do. Um, And so it takes time, it takes effort, it takes hard work. And if you're not willing to put in that time, effort or hard work uh, every day, then you might not get a book out at the end of it. And you're the only person who can write that book. Nobody else can write that book for you. You're not a famous footballer. Nobody else can write that book for you.
0: And have you ever had the opposite problem of too many ideas... So you might have competing ideas for a book or a fresh project trying to get your attention while you're trying to get you to abandon a current project. Uh,
1: yes, um, I've got, I- I'm sure all the writers listening to this, we've got, we've got too many ideas uh, and you're scared you're going to get run over by a car, not because you haven't paid your mortgage, but because you've not quite finished that perfect idea yet that you just had yesterday. Far too many ideas. I have got, I must have hundreds of notepads full of, unused writing, unused in the sense that it's never appeared in a published book, but all adding, hopefully, towards the hard work and the craft and the ability, hopefully. Yeah, I've got pads and, pads and stuff. If there's one complaint about my books, some people don't like the endings of my books, and I think this is because I get about three quarters of the way through, get very excited about the next book, so rush the current book so I can get onto the new exciting idea.
0: And I've noticed that as writers get more established, they tend to support and help other writers more. So I'm thinking of mentoring and um, giving feedback to other writers. I was going to ask you what support you find useful as a writer now at this stage in your career. And also, can you remember any particular support that was helpful to you when you were starting out?
1: I think just sometimes um, it's funny that the, the more established you become, the less support you get. So we're here talking to new writers. You don't really have many podcasts for established writers. Um, uh, There's fantastic organisations, Scottish Book Trust, uh, up here in Scotland, that are hugely supportive of, of new writers, but only kind of gradually supportive of established writers. It is funny, the more established you become, the more that the establishment feels you don't need that support anymore. Which I don't think is particularly true. It's still one hell of a solitary job. It's still a very soul-searching job. And it's still a very painful job when you get those, those bad reviews. So I think that possibly there is a, a missing chunk of the support system somewhere. But what you get is you, as, an, a, as a published author and then as an established author, I guess you have your agent and you have, hopefully, you have a, a fairly stable editor at a publishing house and, and it's that you get the support from, from them professionally. But you also, luckily, if, if you're not completely trapped in your, your sort of isolated room or even in your ivory tower working by yourself, you do meet other authors. You do come across other people who are doing the same thing as you. So you, you kind of support each other by, by talking about each other's books a lot. Um, I'm forever doing school visits and promoting a book I've just read by a fantastic author. Who I may never have met, but wow, that book did something for me, and so I'd like to talk to the school kids about it, or by perhaps even going as far as to give a, a blurb or a, a a quote on the back of somebody's book. You know, if you if you hopefully genuinely enjoyed that book, I've just done that for a couple of people. So you try to help and support other people in that way. As a new author, there's there's too much support out there. I'd argue. I think that there's too much advice that can often be a little bit distracting from the job of writing a book.
0: Having been in print since 1996,
1: am I right there? Yeah, I had hair when I was first published.
0: You must have witnessed a lot of change in the publishing industry. So if you had one piece of advice for a writer just starting out now and hoping to have a similarly long-running career, what would it be?
1: Never take no for an answer the amount of doors that will get closed in your face, the amount of bad reviews you'll get, the amount of hurtful write-ups you may get. Just, just write your book. Um, write the book you want to write. If, if you enjoy reading science fiction, write science fiction. If you enjoy reading horror, write horror. Write the kind of book you want to read. Publishers, unfortunately, are not as clever as they might make out At the moment, when I'm saying that there's maybe too much advice for new writers, I think new writers at the moment, they hear a lot from agents and they hear a lot from publishers saying, this is the kind of book we're looking for. Publishers only ever follow. Publishers never lead, in my experience. Publishers weren't looking for Harry Potter, but then they went looking for the new Harry Potter and they discovered Twilight. Then they went looking for the new Twilight, and what came along? Hunger Games. Then they were desperate to get the new Hunger Games. But what came along? John Green with Fault in Our Stars. The publishers never lead. It's the authors that lead. And if, if J.K. Rowling had listened to the fashion at the time, back in the early 90s uh, to mid-90s, she wouldn't have written Harry Potter. She would have written what the publishers were telling her to write. The world would have been less one, Harry Potter. And if uh, Stephanie Mayer had listened to the publishing industry, she perhaps wouldn't have written Twilight book that she wanted to write. It's the authors that lead, and not the publishers. So write your book, even if it feels unfashionable, even if it feels not current or trendy. Write the book you want to write, the kind of book you'd enjoy reading, and maybe that will be the next big trend that the publishers will follow.